0: By God's grace, we are now in our last message of our series on the book of Daniel entitled God's Vessel. And today, our text is from the last three chapters of Daniel, chapters 10, 11, and 12. And the title of our message is The Final Vision. The Final Vision. Our passage is three chapters long, so we won't go through all of the verses. Again, I encourage you to read the chapters on your own. Chapters 10, and 11, and 12 are one single unit it contains Daniel's fourth, final, and longest vision concerning the future. And here is the table summary of these passages. Daniel's first vision is in chapter seven, and it's about the four beasts. In chapter eight, it records Daniel's second vision about the ram and the goat. And Daniel's third vision of the 70 weeks is found in chapter nine. As for Daniel's final vision in chapters 10 to 12, this was recorded in the third year of Cyrus the Great, And this last vision contains a more detailed explanation of Daniel's first two visions. Now here's the outline of chapters 10 to 12, the introduction to the vision, the vision's content, and God's last instruction to Daniel. Now here is the summary of our lesson for today. There is an unseen spiritual war, but God fights for his people and ultimately wins. Therefore, put your hope in God, pray, prepare, and persevere, for God will reward those who prevail and remain faithful. Let's read that again. There is an unseen spiritual war, but God fights for His people and ultimately wins. Therefore, put your hope in God, pray, prepare, and persevere, for God will reward those who prevail and remain faithful. Let's dig into our text. The introduction. Verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the message was true and one of a great conflict or a great war. But he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. This vision serves as an opening statement to set up the rest of the chapter. And what was Daniel doing when he received his final vision? Verses 2 to 3. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did Eat meat or wine, nor did it enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment, and all until the entire three weeks were completed. Chapter 10 begins by telling us that something was greatly bothering Daniel. By this time, Daniel was already in his mid or late 80s, and we're told that he's been lamenting and fasting for three full weeks. Now the question is, what's going on? Why was Daniel weeping and fasting? Verse 1 gives us a clue. This event happened during the third year of King Cyrus. And that is significant. Why? Because you see, two years before this moment, King Cyrus issued a decree that allowed the Jewish exile to return to the land of Judah to rebuild Jerusalem and the Holy Temple, as recorded in Ezra chapter 1. And this return is something that Daniel prayed for, as we saw in chapter 9. And now, it has finally happened. But here's the problem. Yes, the Jews had been back in Jerusalem for two years by this time. But you see, only a small number of people actually returned to Judah. Only 49,697 Jews to be exact, according to Ezra chapter 2. And that's a small number compared to the total Jewish population in Babylon. And that grieved Daniel. The Jews could go back, but they didn't want to. Why? Because they've gotten used to Babylon. Many Jews already established their families and businesses there. And they have been enjoying the good life in Babylon. For many Jews, Babylon is already their home, especially to those who were born during the 70 years of exile. So why would they trouble themselves to leave everything behind to start over again into a desolate wasteland of Judah? And this reality grieved Daniel. Also, Daniel probably grieved because of the hardship faced by the Jews came back. And those who were back in Jerusalem had enemies who strongly opposed them and were hindering the rebuilding of the Holy Temple. So Daniel felt a heavy burden for his people. And so, what did Daniel do? Daniel did what he had always did. In the midst of a crisis, he prays. And Daniel kept praying for 21 days until he got an answer. Now, you may ask, how about Daniel? Why didn't he join the exiles who returned to Jerusalem? Commentators explain that Daniel was already too old to make this dangerous journey back. And some scholars suggest that Daniel stayed in Babylon so he could convince more Jews to go back to Jerusalem. In a sense, Daniel knew he could serve God and the exiles better by staying behind. So here's Daniel. His great dream was to see the whole nation of Israel return to Judah after 70 years of captivity. But that dream did not happen. And so he prays. And what happened next? Verse 4 to 5. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, while I was at the bank of the great river, that is Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen. This figure initially looked like an ordinary man, but Daniel saw something more. And there is a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Ufas, and his body was like a burial, which is a precious gem, and his face had the appearance of a lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like a sound of roaring. You see, while Daniel was standing behind the banks of the Tigris River, he saw a heavenly vision, and in particular, he saw an angel. All the men with him left and fled out of fear. How about Daniel? This passage tells us repeatedly how Daniel was terrified at the sight of this majestic angel. When Daniel saw this angel, his face grew pale. He lost his strength and felt weak. And out of severe trembling, Daniel even fainted and fell flat on his face. And what did the angel do? Verse 10. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man, Of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright. For I now have been sent to you, and when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. Daniel was afraid and felt so weak because of his three weeks of fasting and because of this surprise encounter with the angel. But the angel encouraged Daniel by his gracious words and strengthened him with his touch. And the angel did not only do it once, but three times. And so the angel encouraged Daniel and assured him that he had nothing to fear. He said, On the very first day you start praying, God answered your prayers, and I was immediately dispatched to give you understanding. But the angel got delayed. And so he explained to Daniel why. Verse 13 to 14, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. And now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to days in the future. God gives Daniel a glimpse into the spiritual world through this unnamed angel, and the Lord shows Daniel the cosmic battle going on behind the scenes. Now, this idiom behind the scenes comes from the world of theater and similar to watching a theater or musical play some things that happen on the stage that viewers see directly the actors the drama the choreographed movements they are all uh, well coordinated and something is well practiced but behind the scenes there is also something going on behind the curtain many things are happening and what happens behind the scene affects what we see on stage and make it possible In the same way, there are things that happen in the visible world and there are unseen events happening in the spiritual world. And here is another thing. What happens in the unseen spiritual world is equally important. Why? Because it impacts what happens in the visible world. And this truth is what God showed Daniel. God pulled back the curtain that allows Daniel and us today to see what's happening behind the scenes and what's happening in the spiritual realm. Now, let's go back to our text. The angel mentioned three princes from verses 12 to 20. The prince of Persia, Michael, and the prince of Greece. It's the prince of Persia who caused the delay, and Michael, the chief prince, was the archangel who came to help out this messenger angel. And the third is the prince of Greece, who the angel would have to fight against when he returns. Now, who are the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece? From the context, we know that they are not earthly rulers. And we can be sure of that because how can a mere human fight against two mighty angelic beings? So logic tells us that the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece are fallen angels and demonic spirits, fighting to prevent and oppose God's plan. And here's another thing. Taken at face value, the Prince of Persia is a fallen angel who had authority or influence over the physical kingdom of Persia, and the same is for the Prince of Greece. In other words, since these demonic spirits had specific connections to a particular nation, it implies that these fallen angels are accomplishing their evil purposes through the human heads of the state. In this case, the prince of Persia is the demonic prince behind the human kings of Persia. And this portrayal is also similar to how the archangel Michael is shown as one of Israel's princes and guardians in the angelic realm. Now, here's the question. Does this text teach us that there are territorial spirits? Can we conclude that evil beings are assigned to specific nations or regions and places? We can't be, for sure. And we have to be careful about this claim. Remember, this section of Daniel is highly apocalyptic and full of symbolism. Now, I'm not saying that the symbolisms here in Daniel is not true. But here's my point. We have to be careful in dealing with these apocalyptic writings to avoid the danger of misinterpretation. And let us not overinterpret specific symbols and miss the whole point of the message. Now, what can we be sure about? And here are the things that we can be certain of in this section. First, there is an unseen war. There is an unseen war. This fight is not visible to the naked eye, but it is as real as a physical battle. And who are involved in this fight? On one hand, it's God's heavenly armies represented by the unnamed angel and the Michael the archangel, and on the opposing side are the forces of evil represented by the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece. And this unseen heavenly war has consequences on earth, and this battle directly affects our lives, our nation, and the world. And similar to the war in Ukraine, the battle is physically far from us, but it directly affects our lives, and we feel it through the recent increase in the fuel prices. Again, the point is this. This unseen war directly impacts our lives, whether we like it or not next here is what we can learn as well as god's people we have spiritual enemies that seek to oppose us as we've learned last time in ephesians 6 the christian life is not a playground it is a battleground but should we worry or not of course we should not worry why because our enemies are already defeated as hebrews chapter 2 tells us because god's children are human beings made of flesh and blood and so the son jesus christ also became flesh and blood For only as human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Did you hear that? Christ our King already defeated Satan and his forces on the cross and we have this promise also in Revelation 20 verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see, God fights for his people and wins in the end. And when Christ comes back again, he will ultimately defeat Satan and his demons, and God will establish his kingdom forever. And what else can we learn from Daniel in chapter 10? Here's the third. God is the God who hears and answers the prayers of his faithful ones. God is the God who hears and answers the prayers of his faithful ones. Look again at verse 12. The angel said to Daniel, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed and very precious to God, don't be afraid, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come to answer your prayer. Friends, remember this truth. God delights in the prayers of His children. And as Proverbs fifteen eight tells us, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. And that leads us to our next point. We should be diligent in praying. Let us persevere in praying. Let us imitate Daniel, who is a man of prayer. You see, that's one reason why God called him as a man highly esteemed. And Daniel is very precious in God's sight because Daniel is a man of prayer. And as we have read earlier, the prayer of the upright delights our Lord. So when was the last time you prayed? When was the last time you connected with God? You see, God is waiting for us to pray. And let us follow daniel's example daniel prayed from his youth up to his old age daniel consistently prayed he prayed in private and in public and daniel even prayed even in the face of death daniel persevered in praying now please note this point as daniel prayed he never commanded the angels instead daniel only prayed to god and prayed on behalf of god's people Then God himself commanded the angels on Daniel's behalf, and that was enough to affect the spiritual realm. As one commentator said, Daniel prayed, and the angels went to war. How about you? How's your prayer life? Is prayer an essential part of your day? Or is it something that you only do when you feel like doing it? May the Lord help us. Remember, we are engaged in a spiritual battle, and both Daniel and the Apostle Paul affirm this reality, and they both teach us that that our offensive weapon we need in facing our spiritual battle is prayer. Ephesians six eighteen, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Think about it. What do most people do and even churches do when there's a problem? They would say, there's a problem. So let's have a meeting and then form a committee to address that concern. And then we spend two minutes in prayer and two hours in discussion. Now, I'm not saying that meetings are not necessary. Of course, we need to do more than praying, and we need to manage our time during meetings. But here's my point. Prayer is to be our priority and not our last option. And prayer is to be at the center of our spiritual battle plan and not on the sidelines, especially when facing trials and difficulties. Remember, God hears our prayers, and He delights in answering the prayers of His people. Therefore, let us not give up praying. Don't forget that just because we don't see anything does not mean God is not doing something. Let me repeat that. Just because we don't see anything does not mean God is not doing something. Like Daniel, perhaps we just need to pray one more day or perhaps one more week or one more month before we start seeing God's answers and breakthrough. So let us be diligent in praying. And so with this note, I would like to invite all of you to join us on our upcoming quarterly reset. This prayer and fasting uh, event will be on the last week of April, April 27 to 29. And I encourage you to watch out for the announcements to see more of the details. As one church, as one family, as one body, let us pray together. And by doing so, we can impact our families, our workplaces, our communities, and even our country. And through prayer, we can influence the heart of our leaders and our government. We can influence the loss of the land, the educational system, and our culture in general. And through prayer, we can also influence the result of our upcoming elections and turn around our nation. So may the Lord help us. Next, let's look at the content of the vision. The vision's content. The angel said to Daniel, verse 14, Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. God sent the angel to answer Daniel's prayer, but it wasn't the answer that Daniel expected. God tells Daniel that the chastening of Israel will not end with the 70 year of captivity. There will be more pain, more suffering, and more sorrow throughout Israel's history, and it will extend up to the end of times. So, in chapter 11, the angel will show Daniel the future history of the Jewish people and the whole world. Let's take a closer look. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings are going to arise in Persia. Then a fourth will gain far more riches than all of them. And as soon as he becomes strong through his riches, he will arouse the whole empire against the realm of Greece. And a mighty king will arise, and he will rule the great authority and do as he please. But as soon as he has risen, his kingdom will be broken up and parceled out toward the four points of compass, though not to his own descendants, nor according to his authority, which he will did. For his sovereignty will be uprooted and given to others besides them. Now here's the summary chart to show us the outline of the whole chapter 11. And here is the amazing part. The first 35 verses of chapter 11 have already been fulfilled. Again, remember this um, fact. From Daniel's point of view, all of these events are still future prophecies. But today, from our perspective, most of them are already historical, except for the last five verses. And this last part in verses 40 to 45 is yet to happen, and it will occur during Daniel's 70th week, or what we call the great Tribulation period. Now let's go back to the summary outline. First, the angel tells us that Daniel, the, or the angel tells Daniel that there will be four more Persian kings to come. And what will they do? History tells us that these Persian kings will rule over the empire. And who are these kings? These kings are most likely Cambyses, the son of Cyrus, Kaumata. And then Darius I. And Darius I is a different Darius from the one mentioned in Daniel 6 and 9. And the fourth king was probably Xerxes I. And he was the king of Persia during the time of Queen Esther. And according to the ancient historian Herodotus, Xerxes I had legendary riches and he had an army of 1.7 million soldiers and he had a huge navy which he used to fight against the kingdom of Greece. Now, who is this mighty king described in verse 3? This ruler was Alexander the Great. As we learned last time, he conquered Medo-Persia and built a vast empire. At the height of its power, Alexander died unexpectedly, and his four generals divided the Greek empire into four kingdoms. And these four regions are Egypt, ruled by Ptolemy, here, the pink one, and then Babylon and Syria, ruled by Seleucus, the yellow one, and Asia Minor, ruled by Lysimachus, the orange one, and Macedonia and Greece, ruled by Cassander, the blue one here. And now from these verses, 5 to 20, the angel described the coming conflicts between the two of the four kingdoms mentioned. There will be wars, alliances, conflicts between the kings of the south and the kings of the north, and that would continue with their respective successors. And who are these rulers based on history? You see, the king of the south refers to the Ptolemaic dynasty starting with its first king, Ptolemy first, who ruled Egypt. And the king of the north refers to the Seleucid dynasty starting with its first king, Seleucus I, who ruled over Syria. Now, why are these two kings and dynasties the ones highlighted? Because they directly affect Israel. You see, the land of Israel is sandwiched between these two kingdoms. The kingdom of Egypt is towards the south of Israel and the kingdom of Syria is towards the north of Israel. And when one king wanted to attack the other, they would have to pass through the land of Israel and so God's people would be inevitably caught in between. Now, this section from verses 5 to 20 is quite long and confusing. And there are a lot of details because it covers a period of about 200 years of history. But here is the summary of this part. These prophecies talk about marriages, alliances, failed marriages, betrayals, wickedness, victories and defeats, And as we interpret this section, let us be careful not to be caught up with the details and miss the essential parts. Now, here are some of the key lessons that we can learn from Daniel chapter 11. First, out of all these long periods of history, this is the important part. The power of these earthly kings is short-lived. All these kings were supposed to be world changers, but these mighty rulers would come and go. And when you read through this section, you'll notice the word but often appears to highlight something important. And what is that? That the rulers would plan and strategize, but things won't work out according to their plan. Just take a look at these examples. Verse 6. Some years later, an alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south, and the daughter of the king of the north will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance, but she will lose her influence over him and so will her father. She will be abandoned along with her supporters. And some more verses. Later, the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land in defeat. And next, verse 11, then the king of the south will march out in rage and fight against the king of the north, who will raise a large army, but it will be defeated. Now, here's the point. All these kings and queens with all their plans and strategies will rise to power, but none of it would last they will come and go and their victories will be short-lived and that is the one of the main points and the next lesson god is the ultimate hero of the story in the end god will fulfill everything he said in his word from our limited perspective it may seem that god's action is delayed but in reality god will fulfill every prophecy at his appointed time That's the key, at his appointed time. And therefore, let us trust God's word and wait upon him. Now, let's go to the next part, verses 21 to 39. One particular king was given more space and special emphasis among these Greek kings in this chapter. And who is this person? Bible scholars agree that this person is Antiochus IV, the eighth seleucid king, and we've studied about him last time. He's also the small horn mentioned in Daniel chapter 8. And let's continue. This is his description. Then he will return to this land with much plunder, but his heart will be set against the holy covenant, and he will take action and then return to his own land. And at the appointed time he will return to come into the south, and but this last time it will not turn out the way it did before. Therefore his heart will be disheartened, and will return and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. So he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. And history confirms this prophecy. Antiochus IV suffered defeat from the northern king and took out his anger against God's people. Now, the angel tells Daniel some of the horrible things that this king will do to God's people. In essence, the angel says to Daniel, Yes, the Jewish people will be back in the land of Israel as God's promised. But the land won't remain peaceful. Now think about it. Why would God give so much details about these gentle kings? How is this history relevant to us today? Let me give you two, uh, uh, two lessons. First, the first one is to highlight who God is. It's all about God. You see, God is in charge of world history and He is in control of our personal stories. And behind the miraculous survival of the Jewish people is the God who is in control of world events. Think about it. Even after Antiochus IV was gone, the persecution of the Jews continued. In 70 AD, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and killed a million Jews. And during the time of the Crusades, the motto was, kill a Jew and save your soul. And during the Black Plague that devastated Europe in the 1350s, many people blamed and killed Jews because of it. And during World War II, Adolf Hitler systematically executed millions of Jews in the Holocaust. And how did the Jews survive? It's only because of God's sovereign grace and because He is in full control. And here's another important lesson. The detail highlights for us the similarity of the coming Antichrist. Verse 40-44 to He, the coming Antichrist, will also enter the beautiful land of Israel, and many countries will fall. And then he will stretch out his hand against other countries, and the land of Egypt will not escape. But rumors from the east and from the north will disturb him, and he will go forth with great wrath to destroy and annihilate many. Most commentators believe that these verses 40 to 45 describe the coming of someone like Antiochus IV. And at the end of history, this will be known as the final Antichrist. And he will appear and he will fulfill the prophecy of the little horn described in Daniel's vision in chapter 7. And now, hearing about this coming wicked ruler can make us afraid but God tells us how it ends. Verse 45. He, the Antichrist, will pitch the tents of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain of Jerusalem. Yet, listen to this, yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. Did you hear that? God tells us that he fights for us and God wins in the end. The Antichrist will attempt to destroy God's people, but he will surely be defeated. And this certainty is our hope as a people of God. Now, you may be wondering, why would God allow all these things to happen to his people? I'm sure Daniel also wondered the same thing. Here's what the angel said. Verse 32. He, Antiochus IV, or even the Antichrist, will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. Wise leaders will give instruction to many, but these teachers will die by fire and sword, or they will be jailed and robbed. During these persecutions, little help will arrive and many who join them will not be sincere and some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way, they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end for the appointed time is still to come. Did you hear that? It's for this reason, they will be refined and cleansed and made pure. And this is what the angel said to Daniel, God will use suffering to purge and purify his people. And this truth is also the same for us today and for those who will be living during the Great Tribulation. God will use suffering to purge and purify His people. Friends, perhaps some of you are already facing difficulties today. Are you suffering because of your health or because of a financial concern? Are you being persecuted because of your faith and conviction? I hope and pray that you won't give up. Instead, stand firm and keep the faith. Hold on to God and allow the Lord to purify your faith. As the Apostle Peter tells us, 1 Peter 1.6-7 So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now, as we move closer to the end of time, we have to prepare. Why? Because things will get worse for God's people. Listen to what the angel said. 12 verse 1. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. You see, the final period of human history will be bad for the world, but it will be especially worse for God's people, especially for those living during that time. But through the angel, God encourages Daniel, and God says the same to you and me today. And here are God's three promises to his people. The promise of protection, the promise of resurrection, and the promise of reward. Let's take a look at each. The promise of protection. Now at that time, Michael the archangel, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred, since there was a nation until that time. And listen to this. And at that time, your people... Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. See, first, God promises His people protection through His angelic army. The original Hebrew word for rescue means escape. It's the same word used in Genesis 19 when God rescued Lot and allowed His family to escape destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, does this text refer to the rapture? We are not sure because an earlier verse tells us that there will also those who will die by the sword, by, by fire. And so we don't know in terms of uh, is this a physical rescue or this is an eternal rescue from the coming judgment. But the point is, God will ultimately rescue His people. Next, there is the promise of resurrection. Verse 2, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, this to everlasting life. But there are others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. If you notice, both the righteous and the wicked will be raised back to life, but their destinies will be different. One will be raised to receive eternal reward, and one will be raised to receive eternal judgment and punishment. And third, God's promise of reward. Those who have insight, that is wisdom and fear of God, will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Those who have insight, meaning those who are wise and fear God, and those who exercise discernment, prudence, and understanding according to God's guidance, all of them will receive their eternal reward. In the same way, those who lead others to know God and follow Christ will get the reward that will last forever. Friends, as we face our difficulties, these three promises of God's protection, resurrection, and reward will give our life, our work, trials and suffering, an eternal perspective. So may the Lord help us. Now, what can we learn from Daniel chapter 11? What else uh, is there to apply in our lives? Here's some more important points. Put your hope in God. As Psalm 146 tells us, do not trust in princes, immortal men, in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs and he returns to earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Who are you looking to? Who is your hope? Who, is, who are you asking for salvation? You see, many of us are looking for the right leaders for our country. But remember, don't invest all your hopes and dreams in any political leaders or any organization. Now, I'm not saying that selecting good leaders are not important. They do. Rulers matter because they impact our lives, our families, and they impact our churches and our country. But don't forget, kings and kingdoms will come and go, and rulers can be fickle and they change, and our leaders will fail and disappoint us because they are not perfect. In the end, the perfect rule of justice and righteousness that we long for can only be realized through the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our Lord Jesus Christ. So let us put our ultimate trust and hope in our God and Savior and in Him alone. And let us be far more zealous for Christ and His kingdom. Next, prepare for the coming suffering. Through Daniel, God already gave us advanced information about the coming battle and suffering that we will face. And therefore, let us do our best to prepare for it because the best time to prepare for a fight is before the actual battle. Let me repeat that again. The best time to prepare for a fight is before the actual battle. So how do we prepare? At least, let us do these four things. Grow in knowing God and fearing Him. Deepen your conviction about God's truth. Increase in wisdom and discernment. And learn about godly suffering. These things are essential because the last days would be marked by lies, deception, seduction, and persecution. And who will most likely overcome these trials? The angel tells us in Daniel eleven thirty-two 32-33. But the people who know their God will be strong and will resist Him. Those who know their God will be strong and will resist Him. Wise leaders will give instruction to many, but these teachers will eventually die by fire and sword, and they will be jailed and robbed. Did you hear that? There will be many suffering, but we have to be ready. So friends, think about your life How well do you know your God? Are you growing in wisdom and discernment? How strong are your convictions? Are you prepared to face suffering and are you ready to die for your faith? May all of us do our best to prepare for the coming trials and suffering. But don't worry, God is with us and He will help us overcome. Next, persevere, stand firm. During the time of Antiochus, many Jews compromised their faith because of suffering and persecution. God's people were divided because a lot were deceived and seduced by the false peace and security promised to them. Many turned their backs on God, and families and friends turned against each other. And the same thing will happen to God's people at the time of the Antichrist. But as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us stand firm and remain faithful. And now, this is the best time to practice endurance. Let us practice standing up for our faith and conviction. Stand up for your faith and conviction in your family, in your classroom, in your workplace. But of course, let us do this in all wisdom. And let us stand firm with love, joy, and peace, with patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as we persevere, as you persevere, remember God's promise of protection, resurrection, and reward. And so may the Lord help us. The last, God's final instruction to Daniel, chapter 12, verses 4 to 13. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time, and many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Verse 8 to 12. But as for me, I heard but couldn't understand. So I said, My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end of time. And listen to this, many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. But as for you, go your way to the end, then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. God assured Daniel that he had nothing to worry, despite the things he couldn't understand. Why? Why? Because God is in charge of world history and He is in control of Daniel's personal story. And now notice that the angel said to Daniel, twice he said, Go your way, go your way. And this command caused Daniel to continue living for God and keep serving Him as His faithful vessel until the end of his life. And friends, God calls us to be the same and to do the same. God calls us to be like Daniel. But here is the question. Are you willing to be God's faithful vessel until the end? Are you willing to suffer for the Lord? May God help us. We don't know how if Daniel lived after this vision or how long Daniel lived after this vision. And perhaps he died not long after he received it, but he died with this promise that God promised him with rest, resurrection, and rewards. And God gives us the same assurance and He gives the same assurance to all his people at every time and every place. Now as we close, let's summarize what we've covered. There is an unseen heavenly war that is going on, and this heavenly war has consequences on earth, and this battle directly affects our lives, our nation, and our world. And so, what can we do? First, let us put our hope in God. As we fight this battle, let us put our hope in the Lord. Let us trust in Him alone and be zealous for Christ and His kingdom because our ultimate salvation is in Christ alone. Let us also pray. Let us pray for God's ultimate victory to come soon. And as we intercede on behalf of God's people, as we intercede on behalf of our nation, know that our God is the God who hears and answers the prayers of His faithful ones. And He is the faithful God who fights for his people and he will win in the end next let us prepare as we move closer to the end of history let us do our best to prepare ourselves for the coming trials and suffering let us abide in christ to know him more let us deepen our love for god and others and as we walk with him may we grow in wisdom and discernment to guide us as we face our challenges and finally let us also persevere and endure until the end As we battle the spirit of the Antichrist today and in the future, let us stand up for our faith. Remember, God will use suffering to purge and purify His people, so let us encourage one another and not give up. And as we persevere, let us remember God's promise of protection, resurrection, and reward to those who will remain faithful. May the Lord help us. Again, let us not forget, there is an unseen spiritual war, but God fights for His people and ultimately wins. Therefore, put your hope in God, pray, prepare, and persevere, for God will reward those who prevail and remain faithful. May the Lord help us to be His vessel for His glory. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful message that you've given us through the book of Daniel. Thank you for reminding us that you are all-knowing and you are all-powerful the Almighty God, you raise us up kings and you bring them down, and you are the God who is in control of our lives, our personal stories, and the world history. And therefore, if we are afraid, we should not be because you are in full control. Open the eyes of our hearts, O oh God, and help us to have that mindset, O oh Lord, and to have that heavenly perspective that everything is in your hands. And more than anything, thank you, Lord. You are not just powerful, you are not just all-knowing, but you are all-loving. And in your wisdom, all you desire is for our good and for your glory, O God. And we ask that you help us persevere and endure whatever we are going through. Father, we come before you also asking for your forgiveness because we have put you in a box. We have limited you and have created you in our own image. Forgive us, O Lord, that we have failed to see how great, how wide, how big You are, O Lord. Help us from this day forward to see who You are and continue to reveal Yourself to us through Your Word. Thank You, O God, for this opportunity to learn from Daniel. And in our limitations, Lord, help us to be like Daniel, to be a man of prayer, to be a man of righteousness, a man of holiness, a man of conviction a man of perseverance. Enable us, O Lord God, in our family, in our workplace, in the communities that you have called us into, help us to be salt and light. Make us the Daniel, O Lord, and help us to shine brightly for you, whatever it takes, whatever the cost. Help us, O God, surround us with people who would encourage us, who would help us to run this race, to fight the good fight of the faith. And as we live during these uncertain times, help us, Lord, know you more and as we abide in you continue to make us be more like christ to grow in knowing you and much more in loving you with all our heart mind soul and strength and help us to love others as christ loved us empower us with your spirit to live our lives that honors and glorifies your name and as we face our trials assure us of your presence for those of us who are going through sickness, help us, Lord God, to endure one more day, one more week, one more month. Oh God, help us. Just enable us, Lord, to hold on to you and not give up. We pray for physical healing, oh Lord. We ask that you make us whole and grant us your healing touch. But more importantly, even though our bodies waste away, help us, Lord God, renew our spirit from glory to glory. And each day, help us, Lord God, to be transformed, to be more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us not to give up. Empower us with your spirit to stand firm and remain faithful. For those of us who are wearied and tired, enable us strengthen us, O God. Renew us, O Lord, and help us to be renewed like the eagles and help us to walk and. light faint and run and not get tired, O God, empower us, O Lord, for those of us who are distracted by many things, help us to align and focus ourselves once more to see who you are, your great plan, and the time that is left for us, Lord, to maximize here on earth so that we can preach you, so that we can call others to Christ, so that we can uh, proclaim your kingdom, your glory, and your presence. Give us the courage not to be ashamed of our faith in Christ, and help us to boldly declare that Christ is our King of kings and Lord of lords, and He is the God whom we will serve all the days of our lives. Help us, Lord God, to fight the good fight of faith. Thank you, Father. We thank you for this very beautiful message of Daniel. Help us to understand more of the lessons that we need to learn, but more importantly, help us to preach Christ, preach your kingdom, and preach the God the God of Daniel, who is forever worthy to be praised, honored, and glorified. Thank you, Lord. Now, as you close your eyes, receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show His favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you very much. Our series ends here today. May God bless us all. See you again next time.